Let's put our hands together to welcome Jared up and the word of the Lord. Thanks, man. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Special shout out to Connor and Emma. So awesome. Uh, if you ever met these guys, they're really fun. They were actually, Connor and Emma were my assistant youth pastors back in the day. And Connor and Emma were also a, hey, in any area of the life of the church, help. Can you fill this gap for a moment and do something amazing? And uh, Big Red is at home with some of his kids sick. And he asked me to give him a shout out. Say, hey, Hayden, I see you. I don't, but you see me. So there we go. Hey, yeah, it's great to be speaking here. Every time I come in here, I'm like, man, let's just knock some walls down. I just get a tip. This is, this is how you increase um, the, the amount of money given to building expansion. You knock a wall down first in the middle of winter, all the cold air comes in, and you go, oh, hey, well, we've raised this much to knock the wall down. Now we need this much to put another wall in. That's, um, that's how we do it. I just wanted to get up and do an offering message for half an hour for the building fund because I love it because I'm Dutch and it's just like, oh, let's talk about money really bluntly and directly and it's awesome, but I won't do that. Hey, so there are actually, there are a lot of faces here that I don't know, which is awesome and exciting. So for everyone that hasn't met me before, I'm Jared and it's lovely to see you and hopefully get to chat with you or pray with you after the service. But I, I run uh, a ministry called Fantail Studios. And Fantail Studios is a team of media missionaries making television shows and documentaries about the supernatural love and power of the Holy Spirit at work on the planet today. Um, so I've got a, a team of about seven filmmakers in Christchurch and a team growing over in the States um, and a whole lot of fun things happening. And we're on television in about 20 different countries. I think it's about to jump up. Um, our new deliverance series is going to spike. And I think that's on satellite. That'll be in about 100 different nations, um, which is a whole lot of fun. And so now we're seeing millions of people uh, being impacted around the world with the gospel through media, which is a whole lot of fun. And so what I want to do, what I want to do today is I, I've got a word on my heart that I want to share with the church. The way I like to communicate is I just like telling stories. Um, I like to unpack the Bible a little bit. I like to tell stories. I like to be pretty raw and pretty real. Um, and so if you think, man, this guy kind of like just talks about himself way too openly. Um, I only have one filter and that's there's no filter. We just go. Um, when, when I was a youngin and Glenn was my youth pastor, he used to have a saying for me, which was, Jared, engage mind, then open mouth. Um, and I find myself now saying that to some of my kids. I'm like, oh my gosh. Hey, so if you're a note taker, my message today is titled 70%. Okay, and the 70% kind of rule has been something of a commitment that I made with God years ago. And I want to talk around this a little bit this morning and I want to share some stories. And I'm not talking about giving God 70%, okay? And I'm not going to do that classic, let's give God 110% because someone will say that's mathematically impossible. Um, but the 70% rule for myself is if I'm 70% sure that I've heard Jesus on something, I'll make a life-changing decision on it. Trusting not in my ability to hear His voice, but trusting in His nature to take care of me. I used to get quite caught up in having to, be, having to know that I know that I know that I'd heard God on something. 
and I would get quite stressed and wound up going, what if I make a mistake? What if I step out of my season of grace? What if I haven't heard right? And I was getting all wound up one day in bed and Rowena said, oh my gosh, don't you know that your father sees your heart? Like he sees your heart, even if you're totally wrong, he sees your heart and you can trust him that he'll be there for you because you're his, you're his son. And so from that point on, I kind of went, all right, if I'm 70% sure I've heard God on something, I'll make a life-changing decision on it. And I think, without exaggeration, that decision has been one of the biggest catapulting moments for my life and for ministry and adventure with Jesus. And it has opened up a realm of peace, excitement and acceleration where I've been able to step into opportunities with Jesus uh, faster and easier than I used to in my past. And I'm not saying now that you should go out and just throw caution to the wind and all of those things. Um, but I'm, I also think you should go out and throw caution to the wind and all of those things. And so I'm going to share a few stories, um, and there's so much that I'd love to unpack with what God's doing. And, you know, I love that you guys are doing the missions thing, because um, if you see, there's a brand new uh, groovy poster out on the wall, spared no expense, because we want to, you know, everything just wants to go into missions, uh, not into printing. Um, and so we're actually part of the, some of the ministries that this awesome church partners with. So I want to share a few stories around what God's doing. Um, but if you want to stay kind of connected with our ministry and, you know, get insight into the latest TV shows coming out, we've got a feature film coming out really soon. Um, we're, it's, we're going to be launching very soon into a new feature film as well, which is too soon to quite talk about. And we're actually opening a whole nother branch of our ministry as well, um, doubling the size of our, um, our ministry, doing something quite brand new with it, which I'll talk, talk on a little bit. But if you want to stay up to date, um, you can subscribe to our newsletters. And um, Joey, if you could chuck a QR code up. This is super simple. If you'd like to stay up to date with us, we don't spam people. We send an email out about once every two months when someone on my team complains that I'm not communicating with our ministry partners and donors. And I've got a great guy on my team who used to be in Glenn's youth group, and he complains to me about it every day. I realise he's my boss now. He's the youngest person on my team and sits down with me with this huge list of things that I'm not doing. Um, and he manages my life. I don't know how that happened, but it's a good thing. So scan that put in the details, tick subscribe, and then you'll get our newsletters and everything like that and sneak peeks and trailers before everybody else in the world sees it. Okay, I want to share a Bible verse. Uh, and it was really interesting what Glenn was sharing about Jesus speaking Shalom. Uh, because this is a really cool story I want to start on of Jesus speaking to a storm. And I, I was sitting in a cafe a while ago having a vulnerable moment with Glenn. This would be about a year ago. Glenn was asking me how life and ministry was going, being, you know, the buck stops here type of thing, no longer assistant pastor, but leading a ministry. And I sat in a cafe and I cried and I was like, being a leader sucks. It's really hard most of the time. He was like, yeah, well, now you know. And uh, <laughs> he's like, I had to lead you. <laughs> So I want to read this passage out because I love the thing that we're talking about, Shalom, the destroyer of chaos. And I love that we look at Jesus as the Prince of Peace and I think that the enemy looks at Jesus as the agent of destruction. When the demons see Jesus come, they go, oh no, here is the one who is coming to destroy all of the hard work we put into the realm of darkness. And in one word, he will obliterate 
all of the schemes that we're building, all the generational crises we've built up. Oh crap, here comes Jesus, the one who destroys all the stuff that we do in a single moment. So I love this in the Bible and Joey, sorry, I didn't give you this one because it came to me in worship, but you'll keep up. So this is all good. We'll get to the proper one later. Okay, so this is Matthew chapter eight, verse 23. Then he, speaking of Jesus, got on the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went down and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I'm gonna open with this passage of scripture and then I'm gonna finish off with another patches, um, do a brief like, aha uh-huh moment and then we're gonna have communion and in the middle I'm gonna tell a bunch of stories, okay? This is, this is how we go now. So uh, roughly about nine months ago, I was filming a documentary with Derek Prince Ministries in Kenya and I had been away from my family. Normally we've got a bit of a rule at home that dad's only gone from the kids for two to three weeks max at a time on a, on a mission trip filming or something. This was a little bit different and it had a lot of extra circumstances around what God was doing. So when I had this dream in Africa, I'd been away from my family for, I think it was 50 days. And in this dream, I'm on a boat, sorry, on a train and there's an an African man and he's busking on the train. And the reason I'd been away is I'd been scoping out a whole lot of expansion opportunities for the ministry in the United States and then over into Africa following some prophetic words that Rainer and I had received. And I'm in this dream, there's this man playing a guitar and I go over to put money in his hat and I look down and he has a Kina coin from Papua New Guinea in his hat. And I go, oh wow, you've got a Kina coin from Papua New Guinea, how amazing. Like I grew up there for a bit when I was a kid and I got the coin, I said, wow. He goes, yeah, I've got five of them. And I said, oh, can I buy them? And he goes, yeah, they're sure. I buy the coins off him and I'm holding one of the coins and I'm rotating it in the dream in my hand. And every time the coin rotates, the presence of God got thicker in the dream. And it was like, and he just grew and grew and grew. And then on the final rotation, the picture of the flowers on the back of the coin changed. And it was a picture of a little girl on her knees praying. And then Jesus spoke to me in the dream and said, will you take my gospel to her? And I looked and the coin had the word Hawaii stamped on the top of the coin. And I began to tear up in the dream. And then Jesus said, Jared, you have to stay on track for America. Stay on target for the US. Once I get you there, I'm gonna open up the whole world to you. But don't forsake the old ways. And when when that got said, I knew that he was talking about prayer and fasting. Like, I'm gonna get you there. We're gonna open up the world. We're gonna do great things, but don't forsake the old ways. Don't think that you're too clever but commit yourself to prayer and fasting, basically being in my presence and we can do this. And then I woke up from the dream and I came home, did a bunch of things and then God spoke to me and said, hey Jared, it was great that you went over to the States and you explored a whole lot of things, but that won't really matter unless you build in the momentum. I need you to go back in February for three months, which has just been and gone. And I'm gonna do some things with you there. 
And I woke up from the dream. And I was talking to God about it. I was like, well, what are you going to do? And it's kind of like, well, I'll tell you when you get there. I was like, yeah. God, it's really expensive to take my whole family to America, over to Atlanta area on the other side so you can tell me something. Just tell me now. And I was kind of like, no, get in the right room and I'll tell you in the right room. And so I go over there and I end up having a meeting with these guys from Derek Prince Ministries over in another state. And they said, man, we're really excited about the documentary you made with us. It's been about 20 years since we've had a broadcast show come out of Africa. And we're so stoked. And we want to know if, if you were running things for media for this ministry, what would be your advice? What would you do with us next? And have you ever had these moments where you go, man, I wish I'd engaged my brain before I opened my mouth? And I didn't know that this was in me. I think it was Holy Spirit. And I see it in front of these international executives. I'm really disappointed with what we did. And they kind of looked deflated and shocked. And they went, what do you mean? And I thought, oh my gosh, God, why did I say that? I have no idea what I mean. And I said, wow, you know, stalling for time. Uh, we made a great TV show and we'll play on TV all around the world and millions of people will watch it and their lives will get impacted and, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And you won't get another TV show out of there for another 20 years unless you spend a lot of money to send my crew back. But if we'd just gone there early, spend a couple weeks, we could have run a film school, then picked the top two or three students from that city to be our interns, follow our crew for two or three weeks, then leave those guys as mentors for everybody else, then bring everybody into an online supernatural training film school, teaching them how to hear the voice of Holy Spirit, how to be filmmakers. And now, nine months later, you would have fresh broadcast content about what Holy Spirit's doing in those villages coming out in Swahili every week. But we didn't do that. We made a TV show, but we could have made disciples. And they sat there and they went, wow, could you do that? And I was like, ah, thinking, maybe. I went, absolutely, we could do that. And they went, how many countries could you do that in? I said, well, how many countries do you know that God's doing stuff in? Let's just make a list. And so they went, okay, well, let's explore this further. And then we went to Atlanta and I get to Atlanta and I'm going for a walk. I'm in Atlanta for about 24 hours. I'm going for this walk. And then you have them, you're walking and you feel like this peace begin to wrap around you. And I was like, I've just felt cozy. And I felt all safe. And then Holy Spirit came alongside me and he said, hey, Jared, you keep saying that you want to run a supernatural film school. And he's, I'm like, yeah, I do. I want to run a supernatural film school. I want to teach people how to hear your voice, how to grow in their craft, be led by you to make films that could change the world. He goes, yeah, that language doesn't work for me. I went, well, what do you mean? And uh, you've got to understand that God created Dutch people as well. So he knows how to be really blunt. And uh, he said, well, you keep saying you want to. Want to has to change to I'm going to. And I went, oh, okay. God, I'm going to run a supernatural film school. And he said, great, when? And I was like, no, it was a trap. Let's see what you did. I was like, well, when do you think I should do it? And he said, I think you should do it in September. I was like, 2024? And he was like, 2023. I went, 2024? And he said, no, I want you to do it in Atlanta, September 2023. I said, God, I can only be here for like 12 weeks at a time till we get our work visas and all of these things. How are we going to do this? And how does that help? All the people in, in Africa and the Middle East and everything, if we have a physical bricks and mortar supernatural film school here, how does that work? 
And he said, well, I don't know. I just kind of figured that someone like you could figure out how to film something and deliver it. And I went, oh, touche. <laughs> and so I, I ended up connecting with a guy that I'd been building friendship with who, who also wanted to run a supernatural film school. And I'm sharing this because I want to talk about when we're 70% sure God's leading us. And when we step into that, see, so often we get think that God is calling us to do something and then we wait for Him to deliver the first pieces of the puzzle. But God's Word is the only provision that we actually need. See, Jesus said, we should not, man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So when God speaks to you and He speaks to your heart, He releases a deposit of grace, which is the empowerment to do what it is that He's asking you to do. And so there was a guy in Atlanta who also wanted to run a supernatural film school. And I thought he would be a brilliant second runner with me. But God, he wants to run it himself. And I felt God said, you know, go ask him slash tell him to serve you. And I was like, this is, I'm coming to his town. This is awkward. So I invite this ministry leader out for a coffee and I sit down with him in this cafe and I say, hey, look, God's put this on my heart. I need to come back here in September. I need to run a supernatural film school and I really want you to help me. And he said, yeah, two days ago, God met me and told me that he was calling you to do this and I was to submit to your leadership and serve you. I was like, man. So we go, okay, well, we need somewhere to run it. And go, yeah, and we looked around and Rainer and I and the kids, we were staying at a missionary base in Atlanta um, called Operation Mobilization. And they specialized in sending missionaries out to unreached people groups. And they had this amazing uh, room, similar to this size with cameras all around it and you know, about 300 offices. And they got like a bunch of houses on site and 70 acres of gardens and lawns. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if they just gave me everything I wanted for free? Because I don't have any money for this. And so we tried to get a meeting with the head of marketing, who's also like the vice president, and he was like the, the biggest cheese that was actually living on campus. And it took a couple of weeks to get the meeting with him because he'd been really sick. And so we end up finally getting this meeting, and he's talking to us in the foyer, John and I. said, look, guys, I'm really sorry. It's been so hard to get a hold of me. He says, I have been the sickest I've ever been in my adult life. He says, even now I can hardly hear anything that you're saying. It's like I'm underwater. My ears are fully blocked. And being the great men of faith that we were, it didn't even occur to us to offer to pray for him. I'm just like, I'm in just free mode. And I'm like, like, I have got a list of stuff you need to give me for no benefit to you, but benefit to Jesus, which inadvertently directly benefits me. Who knew? You know, and so he takes us into this meeting. He goes, all right, guys, we've got a bit of time. Give us your pitch. What do you want to talk about? John, next to me, begins to share this vision of training people in their supernatural identity. He gets about two minutes into it. The guy stops the meeting, he goes, I have to stop you. So the moment you started to share vision, both my ears instantly popped open. I've got 100% hearing. And I was like, wow, we didn't even, didn't even pray for the guy. <laughs> I felt a little bit bad, but I was like, God was like, have you met my friends? And so we had this conversation and the end of it, he was like, you know what, we could, we could work something out. We could give you offices, give you a classroom, give you a house, and you could spend some time teaching and consulting and serving in our ministry for a bit while you're here. And let's just support you guys and get this thing up and running because I see Jesus on this. And so it's this excitement that comes around you because God's doing something. And then you hit often a lull. And then I began to think, what if no one signs up for the school? 
and I come all this way, spend all this money, getting this whole thing set up and nobody comes. And I remember just having these waves of fear suddenly begin to roll over me because now people are invested um, and they're expecting kingdom results. And they're expecting these things, you know, as I've laid out this vision of what I believe God's saying and what God's going to do. I'm like, what if none of these things actually happen? And you have these, these imposter feelings and accusations begin to roll around you. And I was praying into just like these fears I was having. I woke up one of the mornings, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to throw up. This is going to cost so much money to get back here and do this. And this all could be for nothing. And I could look like a total fool. I remember having this picture of Jesus standing on like a map and he was standing in America and he was going like this. And I had this sense of Jesus being like, how much do you love me? Like, do you, like I'm standing over here. Like who cares about whether it works or not? This is where I'm standing for you. Will you come be with me? And I mean, what I love about the simplicity of our relationship with Jesus is that you know, it's a great saying. I think I heard Chris Valentin say it once. People will always do for love what they won't do for money. And when Raina and I were dating, we'd stay up for like, you know, crazy hours at night, chatting and talking. She'd go home. I'd go back to my place. I'd get up super early, go around knocking her windows to wake her up in the morning so we could have breakfast together and I'd drive her to work. And then, you know, you just, you just like sleep deprived like crazy because you're in love. You want to just spend as much time with that person as you can. You know, you do crazy things for love and there's this, it becomes so simple when we get an awareness in our circumstances of where Jesus is standing. But so often what happens is we, we experience God calling us into something. Inevitably, it doesn't go the way we anticipate it to because God will nearly always take the opportunity to shape and grow our spiritual muscles and allow some curveballs to slip through so our identity can be challenged and developed. And we begin to hit these roller coaster moments. And what we do is we go, Jesus, I see you over there. Come here and fix my circumstances for me. And Jesus, we get frustrated because He doesn't then come and fix all of our problems for us. And we feel distant from Him. We sometimes can feel isolated or rejected or confused. But in actual reality is Jesus is going, hey, come stand with me. I'm over here. Come stand with me. I'm over here. And so we just begin to explore a little bit more what God's doing. I want to share a couple of fun weird stories around what God's doing. But before we do, because we have now just launched Fantail Academy to partner with Fantail Studios as an international training school, I want to show just for fun a 90-second promo video. And uh, then we're going to carry on with a few stories. And then we're going to go into some ministry time and communion. And my whole testimony, my whole story, everything that I'm sharing today, spoilers, it ends with a to be continued. I went away with 50 questions and God gave me about 10 answers and I developed about 20 more questions in the process. I want to share a couple more stories going forward that you would think would have these incredible lightning bolt moments but ended with giant question marks. Because so much of our faith adventure isn't about seeing external results but it's about developing internal intimacy with Jesus. And we so often look to our external circumstances to justify our faith decisions. Oh, God called me to do this. I stepped out and did it. And so now I'm looking at the circumstances to edify my sacrifice. 
The problem when we do that is that we are then always subject to the world around us, justifying our faith walk with Christ. But what Jesus wants us to do is take the steps of obedience and then look to Him to get that sense of well done, good and faithful servant. I so often take steps of faith and then when it doesn't pan out the way that I believe that it should, I then feel as though as a leader, as a father, as a husband, whatever it is, or as a son of God that I failed because the circumstances didn't rise to the expectations that I believed that the sacrifice deserved. And in that moment, I take my eyes off Jesus, I put them on my circumstances and they negatively reflect lies back to me. Paul says, I've learned the art of being content, tired, wet, cold, naked and hungry. We would look that in the Western world as a total loser as a leader. Because man, I'm not looking to my circumstances to justify the faith decisions of my heart. I'm looking to Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So let's check out a promo video really quickly. It's just a little bit of a fun introduction. Then I'm gonna share a few more stories. It's the first baby step of something new. When, when God was chatting to me about coming over to the Atlanta again in September, he goes, run a 12-week academy. And I was like, really? It's a long way to go to run a part-time 12-week supernatural night school. And God said, yeah, I can't multiply nothing. <laughs> and he said, when I told you to launch Fantail Studios, I met you in a dream, and I said, make hundreds of TV shows about me, and you went out with some high schoolers and you made five-minute shorts. Not exactly the brief but you gave me something to breathe on, something to bless and something to multiply. I can't grow nothing. So, and then after I thought about it, I thought how embarrassing to tell God 12 weeks isn't much when he made the universe in six days. <laughs> I remember one day talking to God, we needed some miracles. I said, God, if you could just do this, that would buy you a little bit more time to do some more substantial miracles. <laughs> I remember God being like, wow, you think I need time? How interesting. <laughs> so we had these, these other just threads. As you know, I had that coin with the word Hawaii stamped on it. And it's where I talk about being 70% sure because 70% sure is a fun way to live following Jesus. And uh, Raina and I were you know, talking about things and I was praying into it when we were over in Atlanta and I said, I think we need to go to the YWAM base in Kona in Hawaii. So we island um, in Hawaii. I said, I think that's part of what the dream was leading me into that I had last year. I think we have to go to Kona Island um, and just, just go introduce ourselves there and say hi. And, and so we're praying about this. And I'm like, man, honestly, how much would it cost to basically, we've got to fly home that direction anyway. I'm like 70% sure this is what we need to do. So let's just spend the money because I just want to find out if I'm right. Like, and so often you'll do like, is this God, is it not? Well, what's the risk involved? And am I prepared to invest that level of risk as I develop my relationship and my adventure with Jesus? And so we buy the tickets. Three days later, I'm in the missionary base in Atlanta cafe. I get myself a cup of coffee because um, it was free and I go to walk out with it back to my house. I walk over there each morning, get their free coffee and I take it back to my house, okay? Um, that wasn't my Dutch side, that was my Scottish side. I'm half of half, okay? And I'm walking out and then Holy Spirit speaks to me so subtly, you can miss it in a heartbeat. He says, sit down, there's someone here that needs to meet you. And I was like, oh, was that my imagination or was that Jesus? 
And I'm like, okay. Well, it's only going to take me like five, ten minutes to figure out. Um, I'm quite happy to spend even 20 minutes just sitting here looking awkward um, to see if this is Jesus. So I sit down and I'm watching people walking back and forth um, past me in the cafe. And after about five minutes, this older gentleman who would have been in his mid-70s walks past, stops, turns and looks at me and says, young man, who are you and what's your story? And I'm like, okay, this must be the guy. So he comes over and I said, well, my name's Jared. I'm from New Zealand, uh, not Australia. And that's how I'd introduce myself. Um, and I'm a, you know, I'd say, you know, I'm a, I love Jesus. I'm a supernatural filmmaker. I'm on an adventure and yada, yada, yada. I want to run a supernatural film school. He goes, look, just stop. The moment you started speaking, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to go to the YWAM base in Hawaii. I have a divine appointment for you there. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you, total stranger, who is like sharp as. I just booked my tickets there three days ago. And we carry on traveling. We go down to Miami, do some ministry, go over to Texas, do some ministry. And then I end up connecting with the vice president of a Christian university. I get invited to a meeting they have no business being in, but someone had a word that I was meant to be in this meeting. So I got brought into it as an observer for some weird reason. And these university doctors are talking and they're talking about the university and they say, randomly, this throwaway line, our university exploded when we got connected in with the Kona YWAM base. And I went, excuse me, sorry to interrupt. And I'm just like an observer. What did you just say? Because yeah, about 40 years ago, we got connected with the Kona base in YWAM and God just exploded our ministry. I said, I'm going there in three days. He goes, really? Who, who are you meeting? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> he goes, I know everybody there. I'm going to start sending them messages now, letting them know that you're coming. Because God's got some divine appointments for you there. And this is what he's doing. And this is doing this and this and this and, and all of these things. And this is the crazy thing. And he goes, there's one guy that you need to meet. And this is the guy. And then I, have, I reached out to someone in New Zealand, a crazy God story. It would blow your mind how I met with him in the States. Radical story, don't have time to share it. I reached out to him and he said, there's one guy you need to meet, this is a guy, the same person. He goes, I'm gonna message him now, giving you a personal introduction of why he needs to meet you. I get there, meet all these amazing people. That one guy didn't have time to meet with me. And I'm there for three days going, man, can I meet with you? Can I meet with you? Can I meet with you? He goes, no, you can't. Sorry, I'm way too busy to meet with you. All of this stuff. I'm like, man, what the heck? This is so frustrating. End up connecting with one of the filmmakers on their staff, um, just chatting because I've got all this time and I'm talking to him. I go, man, tell me about what, what are you doing? He goes, well, we're you know, documentary filmmakers like yourself, but God has opened up this massive door of favour for us in Papua New Guinea. And we've got a feature film um, story. So not a feature, a short, but it's going around the cinemas in Papua New Guinea, this amazing God story. And the government is playing it in the cinemas all across the country for us. And then I remember the dream that I had with the coin of Hawaii. There was a Papua New Guinea coin that turned to an Hawaii coin. And I go, God, why were there five coins? And I'm like, is it because there's the number of grace and all of this? I'm going through all these things. And God goes, man, don't complicate it. There's five people in your family. It's pretty simple. There's a call for each of them and my provision for each of them, my sound for each of them. And I was like, oh. And I get home. I'm like, man, God, I still have a big question mark because there was no great suddenly moment. And it's like that sense of it's just still to be continued. Going, well, it's just you haven't finished the adventure yet. Just keep going. Stop looking at your circumstances 
to justify your faith decisions, just keep listening to me and the sound of my approval. I'm going to throw this um, scripture up and then we're going to go into communion because I'm running out of time. Um, also, if you want to find out more about us and our ministry, Raina will be at a Fantail table at the end if you want to like, explore what it could look like to partner with us and prayer or finances or anything like that as we just as a family go on these crazy adventures that uh, are extraordinarily fun and expensive. Uh, see here at the end, because when God told us to make television shows and movies, I told him how expensive it was, and he told me it wasn't his problem. It wasn't, wasn't my problem, it was his problem. Um, so I like to remind him of that all the time. God, your problem, not mine. So see Rowena at the end if God speaks to you. I want to read this, and we're going to go to communion. Matthew 14. Immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of Him on the other side while He dismissed the crowd. After He dismissed them, He went up on the mountainside by Himself to pray. Later that night, He was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind that was against them. Shortly before the dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw Him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. I love this. Lord, if it's You, Peter replied, about to ask a question. Surely the most logical thing that Peter would say, given his previous experience, would be, Lord, if it's You, speak to the storm and calm it. That would show growth, maturity, confidence. God, if it is You, do what You did in the past and stop it. Lord, if it's You, tell me to come to You on the water. Come, Jesus said. I love this story and I've been just reflecting on it over the last few days of all the things that Peter could have said and what his motivation was to say, God, if it's You, tell me to come out into the water. I think from the first story to the second story, the biggest maturity and change that has happened is that Peter is simply more in love with Jesus than he was before. And he would have every right to say, Jesus, if it's You, Prince of Peace, Shalom, Destroyer of Chaos, fix my circumstances for me like you did in the past. But I think that in that moment, Peter is so in love with Jesus. He goes, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come be where you are because I just wanna be closer to you. I just wanna be with you. I am so crazy in love with you that my heart's top desire is not for you to fix my circumstances, but for me to come be wherever you are. And he hopped out of the boat and for a moment he walked on water. Young faith cries out for Jesus to meet us where we are, but a maturing faith desires to go wherever he is. And it simplifies things because the pressure isn't on you to make the circumstances line up to what you think it should be in heaven. That is still ultimately God's responsibility as you partner with Him. The invitation for us as God's sons and daughters is that we can decide, 
God, wherever you are, I just want to be with you. And that is my top heart priority. And as we take communion now, this is my invitation this morning to us. Jesus, would you show me where you are? Just really simple. In all my circumstances and all my challenges and all the problems, would you show me where you are? If you want to speak to my circumstances and release your shalom over them, that they would sit down and shut up and be still amazing. But my heart's desire is to be closer to where you are. And if you would reveal to me where you are and then begin to show me how to move from where I am to you, then that is going to be such an exciting adventure. And even if I'm only 10, 20, whatever, 70% sure, I can trust your character and your nature to make up for the difference and your Holy Spirit, my teacher, my comforter and my guide to lead me in that process. So let's just move now and, and take communion. I can see a communion station here and there'll be one at the back over there. And let's, let's go now and, and take the, the sacraments, the, the drink that represents His blood and the wafer that represents His body and just take it and go back to your seat and just take a moment and just say, Jesus, would you show me where, I, where you are?